Well, good morning. How are you today? Good, good. I am so glad that you are here. I just feel like God has got something very, very special. As um, we've seen the video this morning, just kind of introing where we're going. I'm starting a new series today called Bringing Them Back Alive. How many of you have someone that you would just absolutely love if they would come to services with you here at MVCC? Okay, wonderful. How many of you have some people in your life that don't know the Lord at all and you would just love to reach them, but they won't come to church? Anybody in that camp? Okay, good. I, this next six weeks then are going to basically, we're going to get into that. And my hope is that we receive inspiration, encouragement, um, and also some very practical how-tos. So I really want to ask these next uh, six weeks, have your Bible ready, have your uh, you're just your spirit open to what God would want. And uh, if there's some note in front of you, or in front of your seat back, I would love if you just take some notes as I'm talking because I really want to get practical on how we do this. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited about doing this uh, message with you today. I hope you are. Um, if you're a guest with us for the first time, we are just thrilled that you're here. So glad that you're here. And uh, at the conclusion of the service, I would love to meet you. If you have any questions, we're here to help you with anything that you might need. Um, today is also a very special day. We have what's called Starting Point. Starting Point is our lunch that we do about every couple of months. And it's basically for anyone who's been thinking, you know, I'd like to make MVCC my home. I think, or I'd like to learn more about what do you believe? What's the vision? What's going on here? So um, that's going to take place today after second hour. And if you're here today, you can still get in that. Um, And it's going to be in the upper landing in our student ministries facility um, right behind here. And that's after second hour. It's a lunch. It's about 45-minute meeting. It's not very long, but uh, we get a chance to kind of meet one another. And it's really cool as you get to kind of meet some folks around the table who are going through the same journey of thinking, hey, this might be home for me. Amen? Um, Also, I just... I am so stoked that last Sunday, um, I got a chance to talk to some of our ministry partners that were here. If you were here last Sunday, we, had our, we celebrate our, our missions and outreach um, ministries that we support financially and everything. So um, as I was talking to uh, most of them around the, the uh, missions fair that we had after services, they were blown away at how loving, this is the words that they use, how loving you were, MVCC, how encouraged they were because you had taken an interest in what's going on around the world in missions. And um, normally when we do this, um, they have a sheet of paper on their table. If you'd like to be a partner with me, just prayer partner. If you'd like to receive a newsletter or email, two to three pages on almost every single missionary were filled by you saying, yeah, I'd like just some information on how I can support and pray for you. I just, I just want to say thank you because um, I just think that's, that's where the heartbeat of where Jesus is, is reaching the world, right? And we want to jump in with his mission, right? Good, good, good. So thank you on such a great job that you did. Also, I just wanted to give you a little recap. On last Wednesday, um, they had our student ministries had fall kickoff. And this is something they do every year. It's a big event. There were 110 uh, students here, junior high and high school students that were here. And you can see some of them here. Um, this, is, this is the exciting part. Ten of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ last Wednesday. Isn't that great? Now, here's, here's what I'm excited about. Um, there was lots of games and food and pizza and everything. And that's cool. Teenagers need lots of food, right? But this is what I get the most excited about. 
they were just, they were worshiping, standing. I mean, I would love for us to be a little bit more um, free in our worship. Some of us older people, right? They just come up to the front. There was one point I was here for a little bit. They had these huge glow sticks, like, like lightsaber things. They were jumping up and down. This thing was pumping. We didn't get any uh, calls from the neighbors up, up behind us, but I was just so excited that they were excited and that a lot of them brought friends and there were 36 new kids who had never been to church before. And so this is just, this is stuff I get excited about. This is what I get jazzed about because it's all about reaching people with the love of Jesus, right? Cool. So um, to start off this series, I just wanted to, um, you to imagine with me for a moment that uh, we are at Starbucks. Is that good? <laughs> I noticed some of you have Starbucks now, and that's fine. Um, <clears throat> I want you to imagine someone sitting across the table. You'd said, hey, can we have a cup of coffee? I'll meet you at 10 o'clock over at Starbucks. And so you're sitting across from them and talking about normal things. And I fell starting up again. Steelers, um, just talking about, you know, mortgage, how uh, life is uh, going in the OC, it feels like a whirlwind, you know, all these different things that we talk about. And then all of a sudden, the conversation kind of shifts into a spiritual mode. Either the person across from you, a friend of yours, co-worker, family member, says, hey, I, I heard you go to church. What is, what is all that about? Or it might go this way as you're just talking about life and things because there's a relationship that you have with this person that, um, you know, could I share something with you that's been extremely moving and meaningful in my life? Now, statistics from George Barney, he's a statistic um, nut. He does all these stats on Christianity across America. He said in his latest stat that he took, 53% of Americans will not, will not come to church. Over the past decade, you probably noticed, uh, as I have in looking at statistics, that church attendance in America, this is not just NVCC, this is across our nation, church attendance has been declining over the past 10 years. I don't really want to get into all the reasons why. I don't know all the reasons why. I have a few, you know, uh, speculations about why. What I want to talk about is this. The person in your life that will not come to MVCC. How are we going to reach people who were just lost like we were? How are we going to reach someone that maybe at one time gave their life to Jesus, but for whatever reason, they don't want anything to do with church anymore? That's right here what I want to talk about these next six weeks. I, I got to tell you from our leadership team here, we have a preschool, we have an elementary school, kindergarten, all the way to eighth grade, pastors on staff. We have an after-school daycare uh, program for kids who are in the public school system uh, to come here every single day, Monday through Friday. Mom and dad then come pick them up. And we all these ministries, all these kids here, I'm so grateful. But I just need you to hear my heart. That, and we love the fact that people will always come on Sunday morning. We usually get maybe four, five, six, seven guests who come for the first time to MVCC. And I, I vow to you, I make a promise to you, because I'm kind of a hyper type person. If you bring someone here to MVCC, I promise I, I won't say, do you need Jesus right now? I won't, won't do that. I don't like when people do that to me. I hate going into the Verizon store. So we're not going to, I, I don't like pressure. I, I don't like it when people do it to me. We don't do that. 
We just want to be very loving and very open. But obviously, if somebody's here, they're looking for something, right? What I want to talk to you today about is my heart is that we reach people in your life. You can reach them that will never step foot in this place. Fair enough? So I have a brother-in-law. I have four brothers-in-law. And um, one of the reasons he won't come to church, and I've been trying for 34 years to talk to him about the gospel, to talk to him about God. 34 years. I'm, you know, I'm his uh, brother-in-law. You would think maybe once or twice he'd come to church to hear me speak. He's never been here. He will not come here. He will, in his mind and his words, I will never come to church. And I don't want to get into all the reasons why, but here's just a few of them. I don't believe in a God who could send someone to hell. I don't believe in a God who uh, allows suffering in the world. I could never believe in a God who just sits on a throne and he's so, and in his words, this is what he told me, is so prideful. Oh, I could never believe in a God or worship a God who flooded the entire earth as you so-called believe in your Bible thousands of years ago. And I certainly couldn't believe in a God who created the worlds in, in six days. Now, in my earlier years, I probably would have started defending. Well, wait a minute. Let me show you this. That's not really what it is. That, here's what I'm learning. And this is the posture. I think, I think a lot of people don't come to church because they think you have all the answers. You think your life is perfect. I can never measure up to you. I don't even want to go in that place. I don't belong in a place like that where you people think you have it all together when I know you really don't. Right? So you know what? That's really interesting what you said about, let's just take, for instance, the flood. I don't know if it was literally six days because there is a verse in the Bible that says a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. So it could have been 6,000 years that the Lord created the earth. I don't have a problem with that. Salvation and us being saved is not hinged on whether we agree on every single thing in the Bible. Oh, well, I, I absolutely believe in evolution. There's no way that you could convince me of not. Well, I do too. Microevolution, macroevolution, where there is evolution within a species, but, but there is another, another theory that maybe, perhaps, we did not come from apes and cavemen and the, the, the way that evolution teaches. I guess what I'm saying is this. The more... the older I get and the longer I follow Jesus, I'm, I'm looking for common ground with people and let them know I've always kind of struggled with that too. I've always kind of struggled with suffering in the world, especially children, newborns, things that happen that are out of our control. I, I struggle with some of that. God, why wouldn't you save this little one? So, so I, guess, I guess these people sitting across Starbucks, they are not the enemy. They, they, they're, just, they're just lost. And I remember, never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. Some of you here today, you got a story, man. I I love your stories. I love the way God is doing, what he is doing in your life. But all of us are real. All of us here love the Lord with all our heart. And we just want to be on mission with Jesus. And his mission is to save the world. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus gathered his disciples around. And this is going to be our anchor text for the entire series. 
Jesus gathered his 12, and I, I gotta share with you, this is probably one of the most intense moments in the lives of the disciples, I believe that, because they were very stressed out, they were worried, and they were frightened because the crucifixion happened, and then Jesus rose from the dead, and now everybody's after him, they wanna catch him again, and he only been with them for 40 days, and now you're leaving us again? So this is a very stressful moment But it's the most important thing, I believe, Jesus told his 12 and for us today. When Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, we talked about this last week. The real Greek rendering of that verse 19 is as you go about your life, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and surely be sure of this. I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now, some people say, well, that was just for the 12 disciples because there was only 12 at that moment. The next thing they saw was Jesus, the bottom of his sandals as he's ascended literally into heaven where he is now sitting at the right hand of the father and we are awaiting his second coming. Well, that's just for the disciples because Jesus spoke to them specifically. That's not for us. How in the world would 12 men be able, well, at that time there was only 11. How are 11 men going to reach all nations? It's impossible. How can one pastor reach an entire community? It's impossible. But together, if we see ourselves as a team, as a movement for Jesus, and we're all on mission together, there are people in your world I would never be able to reach. And, and, and we all have our own world. We have our own little nation, don't we? In our neighborhood, our schools, our family, our friends. I want you to have such a passion. I want you to have such an excitement, an exuberance, a redefined commitment of sharing the gospel of Jesus with as many people as possible. And I am certainly not a proponent of cornering somebody, making somebody feel uh, pressured in any way. I just think it should be very natural of just who we are. And we'll get into that. First thing I would just want to say out of the get-go on your notes Number one is this. We serve a God who can, uh, of the impossible, to reach one more person. No one, no one is too far gone. As long as a person is breathing, there is always hope. I believe that. If God could save me, if he could save some of us, he can save anybody, right? In 1 Corinthians 6.20, there's a Bible verse the apostle Paul wrote that says, you are not your own, Mike. It is not your life. Remember, when you gave your life to me, Now I own your life. So it's not yours. You were bought with a price. And I'm so glad for that. The price of Jesus surrendering his life. Point number two is this. We must have a passion for lost people to know God. It's it's an absolute must. We will all not share the good news the same way. But what I'm asking is for all of us to have a passion that when we're about our day, we see people as either lost or saved, lost or saved. And our hearts break for the fact that some of them might be lost. And then number three is this. We must have a pathway for lost people to know God. That's what I want to get into in this series. I want to be super clear. I want it to be super easy for us to leave this place and go, yeah, you know what? With the help of God, I can do this. Now, I just want you to imagine with me for a moment that we are going to, uh, on a Sunday morning, uh, someone sponsored every member of MVCC. We get to take a five-day cruise to Mexico. 
We see a lot more membership the next Sunday, right? Can you imagine? Let's say there's 2,000. We, you know, we have uh, about 1,000 people. That's men, women, and children here that call MVCC their home. But what if, they were, what if there was 2,000 all of a sudden that joined the church and yeah, everybody can come. So we're at Long Beach. We are so excited. We're going to have church services on the ship. We get the whole ship to ourselves. It's going to be amazing. And let's say as we go out on this incredible cruise about 100 miles out, there's unfortunately a huge accident. There's an explosion and the ship just starts going down fast. I mean, really, really fast. We don't have time to grab any life preservers. We don't have time to grab any lifeboats. There's, there's no time. Everybody, all of us, we just start jumping off the ship. And as we are all now 2,000 of us treading water, there are some people that will be able to tread water for a really long time because they're stronger. And there will be some people that are weaker and will not be able to tread water as long. But before the first person sinks, before no one has died yet, no, not one person Another ship comes by and the captain of the ship has 2,000 life preservers and he starts chucking them out there. I mean, he's throwing them. He's just getting as many as we can. All he says is, grab onto the life preserver and I'll save you. We have a choice to make, don't we? If we grab onto the life preserver, he will pull us into the boat and save us. Well, that life preserver is really uncomfortable. I don't like it. It fits too tight. It's too big. I'll I'll, I'll wait for the next ship. Well, you know what? I think I could swim my way back. And, and all the excuses for whatever reason. As he's pulling us into the boat and saving us, and we are now drying off, um, what would be our first response? And if this, of course, is hypothetical, but if this was a real life story, we were going to die. And all of a sudden now we're on the ship and now we are living. This guy has saved our life. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Our response would be, oh my gosh, thank you so much for what you've done. I'm so, we, we have a second, second chance at life because of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wouldn't that be our response? Our second response would probably be, what can I do around here to help? It wouldn't be, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, if you, uh, could you over here, Mike, could you fill these gas tanks? Uh, Brian, could you come over here and just mop the deck? Could you please help us over here, Brad? Would just help us to make sure that we have enough room because we got a lot more people to get on the ship. We would not say, geez, I guess, I guess I'll help. I, I, guess, I guess I can find a way to do that. Really, I'm kind of tired. No, you would, you would be, you'd pick up those gas tanks. You'd pick up the mop. You would wipe down this area. You'd move everybody so there's more. You would do everything possible because you have received a second chance at life. That right there is the picture of Christianity. Every single one of us, because of sin, has been sinking But before the first person dies, everybody gets a chance to grab onto the life preserver. Some people will not grab on because they have another way. They have been taught another way. They have been raised another way for whatever reason. I'm concerned about those people who have said, nah, not me. I really don't need that life preserver. I'll find my own way. I'm concerned about those people. And on the ship, that is a picture of the church. We've been saved. Most of us, right, if you're here, visit. I hope today you will get saved. But most of us have already jumped on. He pulled us into the boat. We don't need to climb up the little ladder onto the boat. He saved us. And we are eternally grateful. And that's why we are now on the ship. But the ship has a lot more room. We want everybody to get on the boat with us. 
We want everybody to be saved. We want everybody to know the love of God. We want every single person to know that they can be forgiven. I think the greatest thing about being saved is we're forgiven of everything, every thought, every deed, everything we've ever done wrong is washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful, so grateful for him. Now it's like, God, what can I do around here at MVCC? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can have? I don't really have anything to offer. You may feel like, well, God can never use me because of my past. Or you may think, oh, I just got too much in my past. This is no way I, I, got, I got too many things. Or I don't know what to do. What if somebody asks me a question that I don't know? And my, my advice is just jump in. We got lots of room here. We got to make sure we get as many people as we can on the boat. That should be our passion. That should be our joy. When we get to heaven, it will not be a pop quiz. Did you believe in God? Did you believe in the virgin birth? Did you believe that God created the world in six literal days? Do you believe that it was six billion years? All those questions. It will not be a pop quiz like that. Here's what Jesus will ask. What did you do to advance the good news that I gave you? And parable after parable after parable that Jesus taught was all about accountability in, those, in that context. Now, I don't say that to pressure us. I don't want anyone to feel scared. I want, you to, I want so much for us to have that posture on the inside. Because we're saved, we want everybody to have an opportunity. We want everybody to get on the boat. I, there's a story of a fisherman by John Drescher. I thought this was kind of interesting. I wanted to share it with you. I think maybe illustrates the point of how we can get so comfortable in Christianity that it's all about us. Now, it came to pass that a group of men, young men, existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. And the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, these who called themselves fishermen met in meetings, town hall meetings. They talked about the call to go fishing, and the abundance of fish and how they might go about fishing, these fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. The plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. Finally, after one stirring meeting on the necessity for fishing, one young person, it's always the young people, they were willing to step up and do something, right? Who was sitting way in the back left the meeting, and went fishing. The next day, he reported that he had caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings, possibly to tell how he did it. So he quit fishing in order to have time to tell other fishermen about the experience. He was also placed on the fisherman's general board as a person having considerable experience as a fine young fisherman. But no one went out to fish. That right there, I see as the American church. Beautiful buildings. And I'm not saying that's the case for every church, but for the most part, we come to a place like this. We got our salvation. We got our life. Everything's cool. But please don't ask me to get outside my comfort zone because the minute I get out of my comfort zone and dive into somebody else's life, it becomes scary. What happens if they ask a question that I don't know about Jesus? It's okay to say, I don't know. I will find out. And next time we meet, we'll get together on it. Remember last week I asked, how many full-time ministers do we have here? Full-time minister. Minister just really translated servant. We are all servants of Christ, right? How many full-time ministers do we have here? 
Oh, look at that. You're so good. I love it. I'm going to ask the question one more time. I just want to do this one more time. Everybody, you know the answer now. Everybody's going to raise their hand. How many full-time ministers? Yes. I love the way God does this. He takes a construction worker. He takes a teacher. He takes a lawyer. He takes a person who works at the grocery store at Ralph's. He takes a banker. He takes a teller. And what he does is he disguises them into these vocations. But what we really are, are ministers. He spins us into society so we can tell the good news of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible. Isn't that great that we are disguised? Otherwise, if I came to your neighbor's door and said, hi, My name is Pastor Mike. I would love for you to come to MVCC. It doesn't work like that. So, first action point. How do we do this? I believe this. People are looking for a pure heart. Right? So, ask God for a pure heart. What, what I'm asking all of us to ask God is, if I'm, as I'm speaking here, and I promise I'll be done in about 10 minutes here... If you're like, nah, now that's for the paid professionals, or I'm just not feeling it. Can I ask you to ask the Lord, God, create a heart in me that has a desire to see people the way you see them. How do we get that pure heart? Come to more worship services. Come to where the Holy Spirit's moving. I heard there's a real massive Holy Spirit move of a church over there in Lake Forest. And the Holy Spirit is just, bam, falling. And people are slain. And people are just laying down. And and holy laughter. And all these things that say in the name of God. I found that in the Bible, in Matthew 25, these words. For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I needed clothes. And you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. When MVCCU, me, us together, are standing before the Lord, my hope is that God will say, You were a good listener when someone was going through a divorce. You didn't judge them, you didn't condemn them. When you gave your shoulder for one of those that were struggling with depression to cry on, I was there. When you went to the funeral of a friend of yours, a coworker, and you really didn't have time to go, but you rearranged your schedule, you had so many things to do, I was there. When you took that week and went to Pine Haven Christian Children's Ranch, took your vacation time, I was there. When you gave Tylenol, to the people of Cambodia who don't have any pain relief. When you gave a week at Royal Family Kids Camp, an entire week of reaching children who are abused and neglected. When you crossed over the Tijuana border and spent an entire day to love kids who don't have a mom and dad. That's where his presence is. I guess the little older that I'm getting, I'm not so wowed with church services Not to say that church services aren't good. When I was younger, I'd run from church service to church service, catch as many as I could because trying to catch something God is doing. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to catch the word and be in a place of worship. But I think we get so conditioned to think that God only moves in here. God moves out there when we are loving 
when we are kind, when we serve somebody else, when we do something for somebody else. And then Jesus says these words in Matthew 25, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. Lord, help us to see people the way you see them. Help us, God, to see people with a broken heart, with a pure heart. It was David who wrote these beautiful words in Psalm 51, 10 through 13. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. It's not just that we have the five, four, three, two, one spiritual laws. That's good. We should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. But I think more than that, it's the heart. That our heart drives us to where lost people are. Just to love them, care for them, be caring, sharing with them, all the things that Jesus did. Now, number two is this. I think one of the reasons that it says over and over in the Gospels, in fact, Matthew seven twenty nine. They recognize that Jesus was one who taught with authority. What does that really mean? Does it mean his oratory skills? Does it mean that he was prompt on every single phrase that he spoke? Was it because he was loud? I don't think so. I think they saw that he was one who taught with authority because he is the scripture. He is the one that was fulfilled to be the Messiah. But I think the second reason His life matched his message. Now, when I say that, some of us might go to a place you're thinking, well, my my life doesn't match the gospel of Jesus because Jesus was perfect and I'm certainly not perfect. That's okay, join the club. That's why Jesus came. His life matched his message in that he was kind, loving, forgiving, joyful on the inside in the middle of an incredible storm that has just come upon us and I think that people again are looking for someone who's just real gosh you know what I struggle with the same question you have I think a lot of unbelieving people would be shocked that we struggle with some of the same things but they think we don't they think I have to be a joyful Christian all the time. I have all the answers. God's got it all. If we just pray, everything will work out perfect. They think that we're like that, and we're not like that, are we? We still struggle with depression. We still struggle with anger. We struggle with all kinds of things, unforgiveness. But I'd rather we struggle with that than I don't really need to do that. See, that's where we need a pure heart. We need a heart that says, God, I'm not much, but I'm willing to do whatever you want. And I want God, when people see me, I want them to see you. People are looking for relationships. I believe that. Especially in South County, where everything's moving so fast. We can be so shallow. Lots of friends that we call friends on Facebook, but how deep are those relationships really? So this leads us to number three. I think the best way for you and for me Every sermon that I preach here, I'm always looking at me first. I want to build friendships with people. Not to get a a notch in my belt. Not to say, oh, I won this person to Jesus. Not to say that, well, I helped baptize them. That's all cool. There's nothing wrong. We should want to do that stuff. But I just want to form a relationship with you because I care about you. 
And one of the beautiful things about going back to the illustration of the boat, when we get on the boat, friendships start forming, don't they? And the longer you stay in one place, I know it's hard to stay in a church more than a year in South County. I don't really understand that, but that's just kind of the norm. The longer we stay, the relationships go deep. And it matures my faith because I have to work through some things that I don't like. I don't like Pastor Mike's jeans. They got holes in them. What's the matter? Doesn't he have enough money? This is just because my kids say, Dad, you can't be dressing like an old man anymore. I said, okay, it's kind of fun. You know, I really don't like the stage the way they did this. And why do they have to have these white panels? And why don't they do that with building three? And how come they don't do this? And how come, you know, the church really should be doing this? And how come the pastors don't do this? And we can get so off kilter with all that. We may think about those things in our mind and we can't, we can't please everybody. That's not the point. We only want to please God. And everything that happens, we want it to be worship for him. But we know there's going to be some things that we disagree on. That's okay. The longer we stay through things that we really don't like, as long as, that, as long as that church is sharing the gospel and as long as they're on point with everything that the Bible says, I'm good to go, man. I will tell you that after being here for 21 years, the friendships that we have formed, my wife and I, some of them go so deep, it's like family. Oh, I could never believe in a God who lets... My wife had some stomach issues. I just want to be very open here for a moment. She had some stomach pain about six months ago and thought it was maybe some other medicine she was taking or something else. So um, it got to the point where she went to the doctor and says, I just, I just want to do a test, do an endoscopy test. And honestly, I thought nothing, no problem. Six years ago, she had breast cancer. And we, by the grace of God and because of the, you as a family, you were, you were so with us during that. I couldn't have got through that without you. And I genuinely mean that. So when we got the test back um, last week, uh, we found that um, she has cancer again. She has stomach cancer. That was not what I was expecting. It was not what we wanted. So immediately I went to a place of, oh my God, not again. For her sake. I just... It's when you have someone that you, and I'm sure that most of us have been touched with someone that has cancer, or maybe you have, you're living with cancer right now, fighting it. But when someone you love has cancer, and there's nothing you can do to take that away or to take the pain away, it is the most helpless feeling. So we are walking through this again. And why I bring this up is. We want so much, and we've picked Psalm 121. Laura and I picked Psalm 121 as our, our life verse for this journey that we're in. But this is where we need friends. Our pastoral team, our ministry team, all of our principals, our schools, I can just say, we love you and we pour it out. We want so much for you to love Jesus and to really get in alignment with God and join in ministry. And we're a team here together. I think sometimes, you know, our pastors on staff, we struggle with things that you struggle with. And there's sometimes that we need your prayers. We need a hug from you. We need to know that, you know, we got you. 
And I would just say this is one of those times where Laura and I really just need our MVCC family. But thank you. I do believe, okay, Lord, we're going to walk through this the way that you want us to. We're going to trust in you. But I believe in hope. I believe that God is going to heal my wife. I believe that he, whatever means he's going to do it, I just believe that just like we're praying for Steve. We're praying for Steve. He's doing so much better. God opened up a door the next day for us to get into City of Hope. And that's where we wanted to be because at this juncture, we've heard so many good things about a team of doctors and what they do. And their one desire is to cure cancer. And that's where we want to be. And so we got in and uh, met with the doctor. My wife's so cute. She, <laughs> she pulls these bags. We're parking at City of Hope in Irvine. And she pulls out these bags in her purse. And look, what is all this stuff? You know, I'm... Honest, I'm frustrated because she's having to go through this again. And what is all this stuff? She said, well, they're gifts for the doctors and the nurses. <laughs> so we're sitting in, and I'm, my leg is shaking like this. And we're sitting in the doctor's office meeting the, the oncologist for the first time. And she said, I just wanted you to know that we're praying for you. She told, told the doctor, and this is for you. We really appreciate you. Can I just say in that moment, I saw in him this kind of this melting, this softening. And we really liked him. He was very thorough. He was very clear. And he said, now, do you have any other questions? I liked him. But maybe God has us on this journey to reach some people that don't know him. I don't know. But we're going to trust him along the way that every opportunity with someone that we don't know is an opportunity for Jesus to touch their life. So Jesus, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a servant, even to die on a cross. If Jesus, in his most agonizing moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John, I need you guys to come. I need you to pray, but I need you just to be with me. I just, I just want to say there are moments that I am going to need grace. Laura and I, together, need your love and your friendship. And I don't have any question that you won't be there for us. I so much appreciate it. Our, our pastoral team is amazing. Every single one of them said, hey, whatever we can do to help support preach for you, whatever you need, if you need time off, whatever it is. And I, I can't tell you how much that means to us. So thank you. My wife's name is Laura, by the way. She's very shy. <laughs> She's very quiet. She's kind of sits in the, she sit in the back. I say, Laura, come sit with me in the front. I need you with me. She said, no, because I'm taking down notes. <laughs> and she says, I pray for people that I see up in the whole church. I, she's got all these prayer notes that she keeps all over her computer. But I just love her and I just believe that God has a plan for us and I just want to say thank you for loving us already and I know that, that God will get us through this. Number four is pray and watch for opportunities. Thank you, Lord. Pray and watch for opportunities. It might have been my wife bringing a gift to the doctor. That's an opportunity. It might be sitting um, at a, uh, watching uh, NFL or watching a baseball game and, hey, what do you do at work? And all of a sudden there's a common ground about what we do. And that might be an opportunity to share the good news with somebody. 
Number five is to expect God to use you. Expect him to. God never uses perfect people. He does not use people that have it all together. Otherwise, none of us could be used of God. He's looking for that person with that heart and just willing to share the story. Psalm 2.8 says, Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. I just want to, as we wind this down, I just want to say this should be a very natural thing. I'm, I'm not through this series a proponent of you saying, okay, I got to win six people to Jesus by next week. That's not the way it works. It's as we go, we are there with a pure heart. We're there watching for opportunity. We're just being loving and kind and caring. And then we have an opportunity to share. This is what God has done for me. And the last one is practice, practice, and practice. Why do I say that? Because I'm a firm believer that your story, your story is the most powerful story on how it meets God's story. And people who will remember the 53% that's never going to come to church here now, we've got to reach them. It's not an option. It's not, well, if it's in your wheelhouse, if it's convenient for you, I I want this to burn in your heart. And so I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. If you're married today, I'm going to ask you to, with your spouse, I want you to write out your story. Write it out on a piece of paper, type it up, whatever it works on your computer. And I want you just to think through your story about your life before Jesus, your life as you met Jesus, and your life now since you've been following Jesus. I'm asking you to do that because in 1 Peter, it says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. So why do you, why do you guys go to church? Why do you waste your time giving money to the church? Or, that is an open door, man. Well, let me tell you why. And you just gently, respectfully share your story. But here's, here's what I have a conviction about. Every single one of us, if someone were to come up to us and say, how did it happen for you? We should, it should just roll off very naturally, just telling your story. And the best way to do that is to practice and practice and practice. So with your spouse, hey, practice it in front of them over coffee as you're watching Netflix and you can pause it. I just want to want to practice in front of you. What do you think about this? If you're not married, it's okay. You can still find someone that you can practice this with. And I'm not saying practice to make sure you get every line memorized. I'm just saying the more comfortable that we get in sharing our story, and when the opportunity comes up to share that story, we'll be able to do that. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.